Hi, I'm Jan Foreman. Welcome to Daily Hope. Today we are jumping into 1 Kings. The book of 1 Kings continues the story of Israel's monarchy after King David. It's actually one of two books that were originally one book called simply Kings. And these two books don't focus on the political, economic, social accomplishments of these kings. First and second kings only focus on how these leaders directed the hearts of God's people back to him or not. This book also explains why God's people were eventually exiled from their own promised land because of some of these godless leaders. With that in mind, chapter 1 describes that important handoff between King David and his successor, where we read, King David was old and well advanced in years. One of the most exciting track events is the relay race, in which a fast runner has to carefully pass the baton to the next person. And if you drop the baton, you lose the race. Will David's remarkable accomplishments... For God's kingdom be passed on to the next generation, and who gets that baton? Because the final test of any leader is handing off their power. David thought this through long before this moment in 1 Chronicles 28, where he tells his key leaders, Of all my sons, and the Lord has given me many, God has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. We have to pause here and appreciate how God's grace triumphed over David's failure with Bathsheba because God loved this man, Solomon, Bathsheba's son, and chose him to fill David's shoes. But not everybody was happy with God's choice. Now you remember Absalom, David's oldest, committed treason against his father as he forcefully tried to take his throne. Now, his younger brother, Adonijah, catches the same disease of ambition. And in five we read that he put himself forward and said, I will be king. Notice those words, put himself forward. He wants that throne. He takes advantage of David's frailty and tries to take it by force. And without inviting King David's inner circle, he assembles an impressive crowd of key leaders to force this choice. Now, let's reimagine that relay race in which the one running with the baton is about to make the handoff when suddenly some guy from the crowd cuts in and tries to intercept the baton. That's what's happening in this story. And where is God while all this confusion is happening? Is he sitting up in the nosebleeds watching helplessly through binoculars? No. As we will see, God is the most powerful influence on the field. And he will have his way in spite of this power struggle, which is really good news for us too, because we live in a world of dishonest bullies where power struggles are routine. It's good to know God's not a spectator. He wants to work in us and through us to fulfill his good purpose, but it often requires courageous action. So in our story, Nathan the prophet is the first brave person to step forward. He hears about Adonijah's power play and comes up with a wise plan. He won't confront the king directly, but he'll have Bathsheba, David's beloved wife, Solomon's mother, share the bad news first, and then he'll come and follow up. So Bathsheba also bravely follows Nathan's plan, and that double confirmation rouses the fading king into action. That very day, he made Solomon king, crowned him king of Israel. Now, where was Solomon while all this was happening? 
could get a glimpse of his future wisdom through this story. He could have fought fire with fire, marched into King David, demanded that he do something, another power grab. But good leadership also requires humility, not force. And, sh and Solomon shows this humility when he allowed King David to hand him the reins. He didn't put on a political show. He also didn't sit on his hands, but he did demonstrated trust in God's ability to accomplish his will for his life. This story reminds us of Proverbs 16.9, where it reads, In his heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. In my heart, I come up with lots of plans. It's reassuring to know that God has the final say, because ultimately, I do want God's best for me. But do I trust him to open that door to answer the prayer to provide? Or do I try to force my outcome? It's an issue of control. Who's in charge? Solomon wasn't passive, but he didn't try to take control away from God or the people that God had placed in his life. He demonstrated wisdom and humility. When we see power struggles around us, and we do, at work, in our families, at school, in our government, we're tempted to fight with the same weapons. But Jesus said to be wise as serpents, gentle as doves. Our weapons are wisdom and humility, just like King Solomon. Because God is on the field. We can pray and then act in wisdom and gentleness as he directs to fulfill his good purpose for us. And now I invite you to join us this weekend, later today for our online services, or Sunday for our gatherings on campus at 9, 11, and 6 o'clock. I hope to see you there. God bless you.